Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, we've got my friend Dwayne Adams on the line. Dwayne, how you doing? I'm doing very good, Jay. God bless you. It's always good to hear your voice. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we're going to talk about the Kayabab and some of the closures up there for the upcoming deer hunts. But before we do that, let's talk about the Arizona elk season. From everybody I'm talking to, it was kind of a weird season, kind of lackluster. How was your experience? I think it was maybe one of the worst I've ever had. Uh, you know, people put in for these applications, Jay, and they and they got lots and lots of points, and they ex- expect or want to hunt big bulls. And I'm telling you, it was brutal. I can count the bugles in Unit One on one hand for the first seven or eight days, and and you just can't hunt that country unless you have sounds. And it was tough. I'm t- I'm telling you. And I talked to two other outfitters up there that, that uh, I'm friends with, and they, they was just like me. They, it was brutal, brutal, Jay. And this, I mean, you're talking 40, what, 41 years up there in Unit 1? That's correct. I, I, that's exactly that's exactly right. And, uh, uh, I mean, you know, and the other thing is, you, you know, heck, it, it, if, if it gets bad, you can hunt wallows, and there was no rain, there's no water, and what water there was, uh I mean, there were hundreds of elk at Big Lake, and I'd never seen it like that. Every night, getting a drink, and that's literally it in Crescent Lake. There are hundreds of elk, and they're out there getting a drink at night. But, you know, by the time the sun comes up, we're 30, 40 minutes, they're gone, but they're not bugling. So you, you're, just, you're just beside yourself. So that's the most elk I'd ever seen at that lake. And in my lifetime, and I'm 66 years old, I mean, they, they literally – 
were having a hard time getting water. How was the antler growth? Um, I, I heard there were some good bulls around, and it was more of a function of just there was no rutting. I think that's exactly right. Uh, we bumped into several bulls, you know, that were nice bulls. But darn it, Jay, if they're not talking, it's two steps and it's over. And, I mean, they're gone. You can't, you can't find them. So uh, they started bugling on Tuesday into the hunt, which was about the eighth or ninth day. Of the archery and or the, or the uh, fire? Archery, that's what, yeah, archery, I'm sorry. And they started bugling a little bit, not, not a lot. And then on Wednesday, it kind of picked up. And we killed a bull on Wednesday with a client, and we killed one on, on Thursday, the last two days. But besides that, it was brutal. I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest. I mean, I uh, and you, you just can't make excuses to clients. Uh, you just, and all I could tell them, listen, in my 40 years of hunting here, this is the worst I've ever seen. And I talked to a rancher up there, and he was really a nice man. He was my age, third generation. And, and they literally came in in the middle of the summer and made him take a quarter of his, his cattle off because it was so bad. And he said, I had to bring trucks in and move these things. He said, I've never in my life had to do this. So it, 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 it was just brutal all the way around. And we had an early bull hunter. hunter. And by the time the early muzzleloader hunter got, it got going, the rut started picking up. And we hunted for four days. And every day it got better and better and better. It, I mean, it literally just it got, it got better and better and better. But it was... It's, and they're screaming their guts out right now. I have a friend up there. He said they're around his house just going crazy. But it, it was about 10 to days to 14 days off. Wow. Um, how do you think that the lack of success – well, let me back up. I believe there's 150 archery bull tags uh, in Unit 1, and then I, I believe there's, I don't know, 60 or something cow tags, maybe more. What do you think the success rate was as far as how many animals were killed on those archery hunts? I never seen an elk dead. You didn't? Uh, no, or none of my uh, none of the folks that worked with me did either. We did not see one, and uh, and there's probably you know twenty five camps camped within a mile around there, and and those folks were struggling hard because they they, they you know they didn't have the knowledge we had. And they were struggling. I mean, and they were hunting hard. And a lot of them come over to camp and ask me what they were doing wrong. And I told them nothing. I said, because, listen, we're, I'm just like you. But we're, we're struggling. These elk are not acting normal. They're not I'll tell you when I knew I was in trouble. On day five, I went to call my wife at Big Lake, right by the shower. There were 11 bulls feeding out there. I'm not talking baby bulls. I mean, they were 250 to 300 inch bull, 11 bulls out there, about 200 yards in a big opening. And I knew right then I was in trouble. I said, my Lord, look at this. So I was going to come back to camp and tell, you know, the, the guys that, that worked with me. And I said, man, oh, man. Well, when I came back, three of them had seen other bulls. One seen four bulls. One seen three bulls. All the same thing, feeding at different places. So it was just off a couple weeks that's just about it how do you think uh, some of the guys moving forward with the late season tags and maybe some of these late archery tags 
um, what advice would you give them or, or how do you think their hunt will be? I don't even know how to answer that, Jay. I think that's a whole, I think that a lot of bulls made it through that generally would have got killed with a bull. So I think on a late rifle hunt with, with, uh, glass in them, I think there's going to be a lot of nice bulls that, that, that didn't get killed that will have a chance to be killed. And then, if we don't get any rain, I mean, it's water, water, water. It's the same with the kite map. It's water. I mean, they're, they're, that, that, that gentleman told me there were over 100 days at that rancher without any rain down there. And that was at West Fork. He said, and, and he said literally, 100 days with no rain. Let's talk about the Kaibab. Uh, elk is a little depressing this year in Arizona. Let's talk about the Kaibab. Uh, sounds like, obviously, we've got that. The, the big fire that was over the summer is changing some things. And then you've got a lot of the road closures because of, I guess, worry of flash floods because it hasn't rained on that fire yet and what's going to happen. So tell me what you know. Well, I was up there on the archery season and it was, again, it was a brutal hunt because there's no water and those deer wouldn't come out of the aspens and they literally stayed in the aspens and I and I can see why because they could eat those little buds and leaves and that's about the only darn moisture that there was and and I so I drove around in the middle of the day and and I started hitting these roadblocks and and and, and cut, uh, they're everywhere and and it said five thousand dollar fine if you go past this so the forest service has blocked off every bit of the fire and. I mean, they literally blocked it off. So there's not going to be any hunting at Cooper Ridge or any of that stuff that's burnt, any of that, for miles and miles. Well, what really stumped me is I went down to Big Springs, and they literally put a gate, a steel gate, it's Big Springs on the Road 22, and that is the main road for the thoroughfare, and it's locked. And I, so I stopped and talked to the Forest Service guy there, and he said, I've got to go back out through 429, it's locked, and that that's the way it is and i said it's not going to be open for the hunt he said Dwayne, i doubt it and i said my lord i said how are you going to get people these turning trailers around down in here there's and, and, and these roads shut off like this i mean they're going to get it's going to be a real mess and i just talked was off the phone talking to a gentleman before you called and he stopped by the forest service office at jacobs lake and it said it will be closed to the rest of the years a sign there there's, 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 so there's no direction from the Forest Service so which way to go, what roads are shut off. It's mostly trial and error. So what I would tell people, if they've got a trailer, I wouldn't pull it down in, into any crazy place because you may have to back it out of there. And I would stay pretty close to the highway and drive and hunt. That, that's, that's what I would do if I, if, if I was just telling most people what to do. What do you think the actual fire, um, have the deer moved back into the, the burn zone? And do you, are you, are you saying that you actually can't just take your rifle and walk into there? There's no access at all, or you just can't I, drive in there? I don't know, Jay. All I know is it said $5,000 fine if you go past this place and I wouldn't go. In. So right. I don't know if you can walk in there, Jay. And, and I don't know, I know darn sure you can't drive in there. It's shut off. Every access, there's, they've got a big uh, place they're shutting it off. And, 
and they're pretty serious about this fine. I mean, I talked to two or three folks in this guys. They're not playing around. So I didn't walk in there because I don't want no trouble. Right. What do you think so, it's going to do to the upcoming early season and then the late season? And, and do you think if you had those tags, would you consider giving the tag back, or do you still think the hunting's going to be good? I don't know if the hunting's going to be good. I have a client of mine that, that – had 20 points and a, a very good friend besides that. And I told him to turn the late tag in. He asked me and I said, uh, I said, John, I turn it in. I t-. And he said, I think I'm going to. I said, look, you have, you got a lot of points. You'll draw next year. And who knows what's going to be going on? Because if it's, if it's messed up like this, I, I, I don't know how you're going to get down in there on the late hunt. Because there's only two ways down, 429 to go down, or you'll have to drop off and, and, and go towards Fredonia and then try to come in 22, but there's no place to camp. There's not. So the, it's still, I think, going to be a mess. Well, I guess one thing to consider is, you know, if access is blocked off, potentially, you know, as bad as it sounds, but next year could be really good. Um because of you know some green up and potentially there'll be a bunch of deer that probably make it through and be a you know another year older well i think that's all true i think that access will once it's open back up and you know you have a snows and the rains but you know i'm talking to ryan hatch and, and when i was up there and ryan said Dwayne, they just they have not had any moisture and he said i said no he said just very little he said nothing not enough to, to panic about and that's why it's still shut off and, and so it's it's pretty simple as that so i i wouldn't want to get caught down one of those roads that's locked off because i don't think it'd be funny let's talk let's shift gears for just a second and uh unit 33's uh ha- has a big fire and i know there's still some closures in 33 let's talk a little bit about coos deer and your thoughts for the upcoming hunts well they there again i i can't find out what's closed off and what's not and i live right here in the middle of it i mean you, you get all kinds of different directions of what they're going to open what's not going to open you can't walk on this trail if you're on this trail you're going to get a ticket so it's it's uh and they're worried the same thing there as they're worried about up there. They're worried about a flash flood of people be camping in pepper sauce and that, that thing come down there and all those canyons all along there. So I don't know, Jay. I, I honestly cannot answer those questions. And generally, I can. What about uh, some of the surrounding units, uh, 32, 31, some of the other areas? Um, how do you think the uh, hunting's going to be as dry as the conditions are? And I, I don't think it's going to be as good as it has been in the past. I, I, I really don't. Just because of the dryness, it's a. Uh, I have a friend of mine that, that lives in Marissi, and he posted on Facebook that he usually sees between fifty and seventy deer a day, and you know, and, and a good number of bucks. And he's been out there for four days and seen 20 does. And so it's, I think what's happened is that it's spreading the deer out to where the water is and they're going to it. And I think wherever that is, that's where they're going. They're, they're going to, to around, get a drink and different types of vegetation. 
when I was in the Kai Devil and the archery hunt out there, I could see why they didn't want to fire. I mean, my Lord, if if, if, if you could set the whole world on fire, if that grass was just yellow or it usually is green at that time of the year. So I can see why they're panicked about it because if fire gets started, my Lord, it could burn for till spring. As dry as the conditions are for coos deer hunters in southern Arizona, you talk about the deer kind of being congregated around water. So would you would you literally create a strategy that you were going to hunt, whether you, you know, research off a map and look at where the most abundant availability of water or from your scouting where you know where there's, you know, springs and stuff, would you would you make that a center point focus of your hunt uh, for these October and November hunts? Not only that, would I? Jay, it's broke. I think 60 days it's broke records in Phoenix, and it's done the same thing in Tucson, and same thing everywhere. I, not only yes, but heck yes. <laughs> I, my, I took my grandchildren out for a ride with the Honda, and we went about 20 miles uh, around uh, Salmon Well here, and I probably know 50 different tanks out there. There isn't one drop of water in any tank, not, not, not one. The rancher's hauling water for his cattle. I mean, he's literally hauling water to it was putting them out with met, portable metal tanks, and so it's that bad. So, I mean, all animals are no different than anything else. If they're stressed, you know, it's it's a different story than just normal hunting. Uh, I've learned that all my life, and I, I think these deer are not only stressed; I think they're stressed horribly because. I mean, they're fighting for water, literally. Um, I, I believe that because, my Lord, I mean, there's literally, I know probably eight or nine springs, they're all dry. There's, there's no water in any of those springs. So if you, if you know someplace that's got water, I would darn sure be hunting within a mile or two miles at it in that in that area because I, I just think that's going to be gold because there's not any rain in sight, uh, Jay, that I can see. Yeah, the forecast doesn't look good at all. Um, no. Dwayne, are you still this time of season? Are you still doing glassing lessons, or is that something more that's in you know kind of the spring and and summer? And if you are, um, tell people a little bit how you do your glassing lessons. Well, we stopped them uh, because of because of the COVID, and we stopped them because the Forest Service has had us blocked off. But they're going to start opening it back up, I understand, uh, sometime in November, and then we'll start them back. When, when it, I think November 15th, the way I'm told, the Catalinas are going to start opening back up. Now, don't hold my feet to the fire there, because that, that could change. Because I don't know if you know it, but they, they, the superstitions, I mean, four peaks, they, they, they stopped it till March now. Did you, did you know that, Jay? Yeah, they're in Unit 22 because of that fire. That yeah, right. no access at all. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen here in the Catalina, so I can continue to start my glassing lessons back, and and because uh, we really enjoy giving the lessons Nick and I do, and it works out really well. We we teach people a lot about how to find deer, why we're doing what we're doing, and every kinds of situation. I teach them about all the different foods the deer are eating, and when they're eating them, why they're eating them, and you know, on and on. But uh, it, it, if that cranks back up, then you know, just give us a call, and we'd be more glad to sign you up and, and get you back into some constant lessons and get, get people going again. 
That sounds great. Dwayne, it's always great talking to you. I'm going to be thinking about you guys on these upcoming uh, Kaibab early hunts, and uh, hopefully you guys can still get out there. I'm sure you'll still find some bucks and find some deer, and, and uh, we'll have to, to, to talk to you after the hunts and kind of get a recap of, of how things went and what you saw and, and uh, uh, just, just what you perceived out there. So uh, it's always great talking to you, and um, I'm we have to just look forward to better days, you know, between the COVID and between the drought and uh, some of the closures and different things. Uh, upcoming election, I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, we're just going to have to hope for better days, right? Well, uh, those are all good words, and I'd, I'd like to end it with one thing. Go Donald Trump, because I, I, I really believe if we lose, we, we don't really lose our rights. We're going to lose a lot of stuff, and... Uh, Praise God for Donald Trump, and I, I pray to God he wins. Right on, buddy. Well, sounds good. Well, God bless and take care, and I'll chat at you down the road, okay? Be safe. God bless, and, and always good talking to you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye.